This podcast is a production of the Community Covenant Church in Eagle River, Alaska, a place where real people meet a real God to live in a real world. For more information, visit our website at www.communitycovenant.net. This is um, Pastor Todd McCarrow and his wife, Lori. And it feels really good to be able to say their names without having to be hush-hush anymore. (laughs) Um, We have had, we on the search team have had a chance to get to know them over the past couple months in a variety of different forums. Um, Email and phone calls and reference checks and interviews and finally a weekend trip to Alaska. In fact, Pastor Todd was teasing me, saying that um, we might know him better than he knows him <laughs> at this true. point. <laughs> um, but as we've gotten to know them, we've really gotten a sense that there could be just a great compatibility between this wonderful couple right here and our church. And so I want everybody to know is without hesitation that... Um, uh, and with unity in our group that we put Pastor Todd forward as our candidate. And um, thank you so much um, for being here. Um, in a moment, we are going to hear Pastor Todd um, give the message, but I wanted to invite them both up here together so that we could meet Lori, too. So I have just a couple introductory questions to ask them. When they came up for their incognito visit in um, the end of August... Um, first of all, they're from Windsor, California, I should say. That was their first trip up to Alaska. So my question is, what were your first impressions of Alaska? I thought I was going to be greeted by all pine trees, and I was shocked when I saw all these birch trees. I said, you have birch trees and grass? I thought, <laughs> so that was my very first impression of just seeing um, Alaska and Anchorage and the Eagle River area. I remember saying more than once, you really have grass? <laughs> so that was my first first initial impression. Yeah. I have oh, you. Mic. Sorry. Well, for me, I grew up in a small community in the foothills of Southern California. And I used to wake up every morning and just look at the rugged mountains and the beauty of the mountains. And that's one thing I've missed. And so when we came here, we drove in from Anchorage here to Eagle River, it's like, wow, this is great. This feels like home. It was such a great feeling just to see the mountain rise and and, and the proximity of the church and the community to the mountains. It, so it, it felt very familiar to me. All right. My second question is, if you guys get to come up and live in Alaska, what are some things that you are looking forward to? Uh, the first thing that comes to mind is that whenever we've come to a new church, God always has in store for me what he wants me to do. I'm looking forward to seeing what God would have me do here at this church and what ministries I would be involved with. I don't come with an agenda. I come seeking God's wisdom in that. So I'm looking forward to that and seeing where I'm going to be working if, if this is where we end up. And the second thing that comes to me is Megan... I am going to hold you to your promise. You are going to get me in waders and teach me how to fish. (laughs) That will not be a problem. (laughs) Uh, Well, for me, I'm looking forward to to snowshoeing, um, to cross-country skiing, uh, snow machining. Anybody have a snow machine? (laughs) I'm looking forward to discovering uh, snow machining. 
And, and then hiking in these beautiful, beautiful mountains. I'm a, I'm a wildlife enthusiast. And uh, Pastor Keith uh, was showing me pictures that he's taken. And I'm looking forward to going on some great hikes out, out into the mountains. So that's what I'm looking forward to. All right. Thank you. Um, we have had them uh, visiting and meeting people from dusk until dawn since we've had them up here. Um, they have met with the staff and the leadership um, both on Friday and Saturday. And many of you attended our open house that we had yesterday. Uh, we will also be having a question and answer time this afternoon from 1.30 to 3.30. So please join us for that. And then also um, this evening there's the congregational um, meeting. Um, so... Um, that's at 6.30. Did I say that? Um, so thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, as Tyler said, the scripture reading this morning is from Hebrews chapter 12, verses 1 through 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. And let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you will not grow weary or lose heart. Well, it is great to be here. Uh, when Megan asked me, what am I most looking forward to about this weekend? It's, it's just clearly this. Um, Lori and I have been praying for you. We've been praying for you. We've been praying for this church. And it's wonderful to finally have the opportunity to meet the people that we've been praying for. And we're aware that you've been praying for us. Uh, and over this uh, past few days, we've gotten the opportunity to meet uh, several of you. And uh, we appreciate your encouragement. We uh, appreciate um, how you have prayed for us, continue to pray for us. This is an exciting time in the life of your church. And it's an exciting time in our lives as well. And I am uh, amazed. I shouldn't be, but I'm just amazed how God has a way of bringing people together in God's plan. And long before we knew um, that Community Covenant uh, was doing a lead pastor search, and long before (laughs) the pastoral search team knew of Todd and Lori McCarrow, God was already moving us uh, together. Uh, I love the story of Abraham and how as he was preparing to sacrifice Isaac... Uh, he said, hey, we'll be back. And Isaac looks and says, well, where's the sacrifice? And Abraham says, don't worry about that, son. God's going to provide. And in faith, he began the journey up the mountain. Not knowing that that whole time on that other side of the mountain, God had a ram going to the top. And the two met. And that was God's perfect plan. And so in faith, your church has been prayerfully looking. And in faith, we felt the freedom and the release to look. 
And in faith, although we're coming from two sides of the mountain, we've met. And that's God's perfect plan. And so we're excited about that. Uh, you have in your bulletin this little portfolio, a trifold, uh, everything you wanted to know about Todd, and then some. Uh, in fact, I think Megan Lang knows me better than I know myself. Uh, You probably know by now that I have a background in law enforcement. Uh, my first career in my early 20s, into my late 20s, was I was an L.A. County Sheriff's Deputy. And L.A. County vetted their candidates, um, their deputy candidates, very, very thoroughly. And you'll be proud to know, next to the background investigation uh, that was done on me by the L.A. County Sheriff's Department, uh, Megan and the search committee did a great job. <laughs> Okay, it was it was very, very thorough. One of the things I want to call your attention to in the bulletin as it talks about me uh, is my life verse. And it comes from Acts chapter 20, verse 24. If you have your Bible, open it up. I'm going to read it for you here. It's the Apostle Paul, and he's speaking to the Ephesian elders, and it's his farewell. Uh, he doesn't know a lot, but he does know that where God is calling him, there are going to be difficult times ahead. And this is what he says, and, and this really uh, encapsulates what I'm about and what I would be about as your pastor. I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. As you've heard about me, as you've heard about my life, as you've read just a a brief snippet about me uh, in the bulletin today, uh, I am a person who would be the least likely to be sitting here before you as a candidate to be your pastor. Uh, Early in my life, there were several adversities and obstacles that, that I had to overcome. Uh, and this is especially important to you young people, you junior hires, you high schoolers, uh, young adults. It, it's not how you start in life, it's how you finish. And uh, God can take your life, the good and the bad and whatever it is, and He can use that to form you to develop character, godliness, and His intention is He's going to take your life experience, as He did mine as a young person the good and the bad. And he's going to redeem that and use it in a way that will glorify himself but give you a great sense of purpose. And in that purpose, there's wholeness and there's healing and there's hope for your life because you know that you've been called by God and that your life belongs to Him. And so that's my story. I'm a child of grace. I sit here before you as a result of the grace of God through His Son, Jesus Christ, uh, who has forgiven me of my sin, who has called me to testify uh, about that grace. Without Him, I would be nothing. And so today, everything I share with you, as you hear my heart, as you listen to what I have to say, comes from that place of grace. Uh, That's my task. That's my call. Because I know... If God can touch me, if God can transform my life, 
He can do that in anyone's life. And I give Him all of the glory. So it's not a surprise to you, as Paul, in my life verse, says, I, I want to finish the race. And of course, later on, in the last letter he ever writes, in 2 Timothy 4.7, he says that, I have finished the race. I've completed the course. I've kept the faith. And so to me, my life of faith, I look at in terms of a race. And our, our verse today in Hebrews talks about a race of faith. And that's a very, very important verse to me. It's been instructive to me. It's been helpful to me to revisit over and over and over again. And there is a definite application to your life and my life as we run the race of faith. And so as we begin this morning, uh, we need to think about the author of the letter of Hebrews. And he was writing to a community primarily of Jewish converts. Uh, some were God-fearing Gentiles. Those were men and women who would hang around the synagogue and were familiar uh, with Jewish custom and religion. And these were converts to Christianity. Now, scholars believe that this community is in Rome. And uh, the time that this was written was a time in which Christianity had begun to become a standalone religion. Uh, early on in Christianity, it was just looked upon as a Jewish sect. Uh, followers of Jesus were called followers of the way. And so, during this time in which scholars think that this particular letter was written was uh, in the 60s A.D., uh, right about the time or, or just about the time of the insurrection that led to the destruction of the temple in 70 A.D. And it was during this time that Christians were viewed upon by Rome as being different from Jews. And it was during this time that Christians were beginning to experience significant persecution. And so the author of Hebrews, we don't know who the author is. There are many people conjecture. I had a, a seminary professor, and his life study was in the book of Hebrews. So consequently, this is one of my favorite books. But when asked, who's the author? He got up on the board, and he wrote names like uh, uh, Priscilla, uh, Apollos, uh, Paul, Barnabas. He'd go into this whole list of people, and he'd give the arguments for and against. And then when he was all done, this is an Oxford scholar, he said, and I don't know who wrote this letter, okay? I appreciate his academic honesty. So the author is writing as a pastor, and the whole letter is intended to show the superiority of Christ, especially as it relates uh, to Jewish history and religious practice. That Christ is superior to the angels, uh, to Moses, uh, to the Levitical uh, religious system. That, that Christ is above all those things. And that He is the completion of all those things pointed to Him. And so He's communicating this throughout the epistle. But we get to Hebrews chapter 11, and that sets the table for uh, chapter 12, verses 1 through 3, which is our, our verses today. He knows, as a good pastor, that his congregation, this flock, this group of Jewish converts, 
that, that they are considering turning away from their Christian faith, their newfound faith. Things are really, really difficult. There's persecution. Now, we can relate to that, can't we? Because what was happening there is they were living out their faith in a dominant Roman culture. And the Christian faith and practice wasn't consistent with the secular culture in which they were living. And they no longer uh, could hide behind kind of the umbrella of Judaism, which had been accepted by Rome. Now they're standing out as followers of Jesus Christ. And the more and more they became identified away from Jewish tradition and religious practice, the more and more they were experiencing persecution to the point where many of them were considering turning back to their Jewish faith. And so this is the context in which the author of Hebrews is writing. He's writing to encourage them to stay the course. He's reminding them not to turn away to something that's inferior, but to hold on to Christ. To run the course. Not to give up. To stand firm in the faith. And that's instructive for us, isn't it? As we live for Christ in our culture and in our world, whether it be in school if you're a young person, or the workplace if you're an adult, or in the neighborhood, or with your family, it seems like more and more and more there's a cultural divide between our faith and practice as Christians and the dominant culture that we live in. And so the author of Hebrews, the pastor who's writing this letter to the community in Rome, is also writing to you and to me. He's writing to Community Covenant Church. He's writing to Christians everywhere who may be tired, who may be weary, who may be having a difficult time as a result of their faith, living that faith out in the world. And he's saying to us, we need to stay the course. And this is what he does. He starts out in Hebrews chapter 11. That's called the Hall of Faith. Are you familiar with that? The Hall of Faith? It is one of my favorite chapters in all of Scripture. Because in that chapter, he reminds his audience, and he reminds us as his audience in the 21st century, that there are great examples of men and women who have gone before us in faith. Great examples. And that we need to look to them. And we need to to look at the example that, that they've left behind. And in this race of faith, it's as if they're passing the baton to us. And so he's calling them to remember. And you know, these are people who, who saw the promise, the promise of Christ, the promise of the Messiah, the anointed one that was to come. They saw the promise at a distance. And yet, they were faithful and obedient to God anyway. And so he says, how much more to his audience? And And to us, we who have realized that promise, we who have seen the fullness of God's promise come in the person of Jesus Christ, how much more should we stay the course? This this particular portion of Scripture really took on meaning to me 
early in my pastoral ministry, I was really struggling. Um, I had some difficult times in, in family uh, that uh, couldn't understand uh, the decision that I had made to leave law enforcement, why we would do that. Um, glad to say that many of those people now know Jesus, but at the time they were saying, what in the world are you doing? And there was some tension in our family, in Lori's family, uh, when I left law enforcement to go uh, into pastoral ministry. And so what ends up happening is there's, there's tension at home, and, and I'm a young pastor, and I'm learning the ropes, and, and you know, I'm getting beat up a little bit. Okay, I'm getting knocked around. I'm getting initiated in pastoral ministry. And I'm really struggling, and I'm saying, Lord, what is going on here? And I was at a place where I just really needed to hear from God. And I can remember this one time I began praying, God, I just need to hear from you. I need some encouragement. And it was funny. I, I had no uh, sooner finished praying than the phone rang. Uh, and it was a, a friend. He was helping out in youth ministry at the church. His name was Chris Ackerman. Chris, if you're listening to this, hello. <laughs> and Chris said, hey, Todd, uh, I got an idea. And uh, I, I said, what's that, Chris. He says, well, my friend Lee and I signed up for the L.A. Marathon. Uh, but Lee injured himself. And uh, there's a number, and the entry's been paid for. How'd you like to run a marathon? And as he was trying to convince me that I could do it, I'd done some trail running in the mountains where we lived, and a little bit of running on the streets. And he's trying to convince me, oh, you can do it. There's people there. There's lots of energy. I'll stay there with you. I just know you can do it, Todd. I'm thinking to myself, you know, I'm going to humor him. I'm going to let him finish telling me all the reasons why I should run the marathon. Then I'm going to say no. (laughs) And so he finishes and says, what do you think, Todd? And I said, no, yes. (laughs) What in the world was I thinking? And it was in the experience of that first marathon, there were a couple more that followed, that this passage really, really gripped me and, and, and came to life. And, and God used it to minister to me in my marathon experience. And so as we, as we get here to the verses, uh, you need to know that the imagery that the author uses is so powerful. And having run a marathon, it really ministered to me and really helped me and helped me get over the hump. Uh, It wasn't the voice of God I was expecting. It wasn't the help I was expecting, but it literally did uh, help transform me. And so as we look at Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, and we listen to the author of Hebrews talking to, to his audience, encouraging these discouraged believers to stay the course. What we, we get out of these, these three verses, I believe, are five important aspects of running the race of faith. And so what I want to do here is I want to unpack these three verses and I want to introduce these, these aspects to you. Are you ready? As we start the race here together? Alright, let's do that. The first thing that we need if we're going to successfully run the race of faith is we need inspiration. We need inspiration. In verse 1, he begins by saying, Therefore we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses. Well, whenever you see therefore in the Bible, you need to know what therefore is therefore. Therefore I'm going to tell you. Okay? 
It's there to call you to look back to what has come right before it. And so as he's been trying to encourage them by holding out the inspiration of previous believers or those Old Testament saints, if you will, that faithfully followed God and were obedient to Him, seeing the promise from a distance. He's saying, they are like a great cloud of witness. Now, in the ancient Greek language, the word cloud often referred to a large number of people. And so what He's saying to them is, you need inspiration. And that inspiration is the great cloud of those who have come before you. The imagery is of a, of a, a track event in which people are looking and cheering on the contestants. But it's much more than that here. Because what he's really calling them to is the example of their lives. The example of their lives. They're a witness. Uh, the image of a cloud describes that great group that bear witness to God's faithfulness and the effectiveness of faith. And he's calling them to say, they did it. They're your witnesses. You can do it too. And so the question we have to ask ourselves is, who do we look to as examples? Who inspires us? Yesterday at the meet and greet, Lori and I had the privilege of meeting uh, many of the founding members of this church. Men and women who went out and did ministry not only here in this community, but all through Alaska, whether it be radio stations or or education in the, in the Western villages. And it was inspiring to us. And young people, teenagers, young adults, you have all around you here in this church a great cloud of witnesses. Those that you can look to, those that you can be inspired by, those, those who point the way to faith and say, God is faithful. God's faithful. He has a plan for you. Each of us need to look to those who inspire us. And that is exactly what he's doing here. Now, the second thing we find, the second aspect of, of running the race of faith, is that it requires preparation. That also is in verse 1. He begins by saying, let us throw off everything that hinders and it's just as athletes would shed every piece of excess clothing or even body weight that hindered breathing and free movement, so too the Christian must throw off encumbrances that restricts Christian commitment and stunts our spiritual growth. What's that look like? Could be possessions. Could be hobbies. Could be habits. Could be relationships. Everything is to be filtered and considered in terms of its influence and our ability to successfully run the race of faith. Now, none of these things in and of themselves are bad. But they can become a hindrance if they're a wrong priority. And so what he's calling his listeners to, and he calls us to, is to reprioritize. Now, if you were a part of that original audience that was hearing this message, you would be thinking, you know that old Levitical system the old Jewish law that Christ is superior to, the author is saying to you, don't go back to that. That's a hindrance. That weighs you down. Jesus said, come to me, all of you who are heavy laden and travail, and I will give you rest for my yoke is easy and my burden light. Why do you want to return to a burdensome life? But the application for us is the same. What is it that weighs us down? What is it that hinders us in faithfully 
completing the race of faith. We need to consider that and reprioritize. Also in the area of preparation is the sin that so easily entangles. All sin is to be rejected over and over again if we're to run well. The course we run is a level path of righteousness. It's a righteous course. We're to strip off our our sinful garments in exchange for the righteousness of Christ which we're clothed in. And I know from my own experience when there's sin in my life, there creates a separation. It interferes with my relationship with God. It hinders and it entangles me in stuff that, that interferes with the race of faith. But you know what? If we confess our sins to God, He's just and faithful to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. There are two kinds of people, those who are running towards Jesus and the cross and those who are running away. And I know sin causes us to run away. And so I encourage anyone here, if you're struggling with something and you know there's sin in your life, whatever that might be, today is a day to deal with it, to get rid of it, to confess it, and to get right with God so it doesn't hinder the race of faith. Inspiration, preparation. The third thing is perspiration. Again, in verse 1, he says, And let us run with perseverance the race marked out before us. A sustained effort that goes the distance. A steady determination to keep going in the face of temptation. To slow down or to give up. The race is a marathon, not a sprint. We're looking at the course as a runner looks at the course before the gun goes off. And we bring all of our training and commitment to bear what we need to bear in order to complete the race. Following Christ requires effort. The effort of obedience. The effort of single-mindedness. The effort to follow Him. And sometimes it's hard. Sometimes it's harder than others. But we're not to get discouraged because we run together. And we're there to encourage each other. But here's the point. There's sweat equity in the Gospel. You and I perspire in the race of faith. Three things in chapter 1. Inspiration, preparation, perspiration, verse 1. Verse 2, imitation. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Jesus has run the path before us, and He's the ultimate example of how the race should be run. He's set apart from all the other examples in Hebrew chapter 11. He trod the way of faith first, And through His sacrifice on the cross, He perfects our faith. Through Him, we are made whole and complete. He's the one that we're to follow. He's the one that we're to imitate. About mile 21 in the marathon as I was running, all of a sudden, both legs seized up and both calves began to cramp. And I'll never forget, as that happened, I stopped dead in my tracks and I reached out and I just grabbed on and the first person that ran by was about a a woman about 25 years old. And all I could say was, rub my calves, rub my calves. 
And she's looking at me like, huh? And then I go like this, look, look, no, really, really, I'm married, I'm married. (laughs) And she got down on a knee and she began to rub my calves. God bless her. And I began to say, I can finish this course. I can complete the rest of the race. And, and I began to run slowly and made it a couple more miles. And, and as I got, got ready just to kind of drop out again, I said, oh God, I don't know if I can finish this. All I see, this elderly lady power by me. <laughs> and as she runs by me, she has on the back of her shirt, hooray for Grandma! And so I fixed my eyes on Grandma. And I followed her all the way to the finish line. You bet I did. Who for the joy set before Him endured the cross surrounding its shame and sat down at the right hand of God. Jesus looked through the cross to the joy of bringing salvation to us the ones He loves. Through His obedience to the Father, He also enjoyed exaltation. i tell you something. My friend Chris, the one who said, I'll run with you, I'll stay with you. After mile two, I never saw him again. <laughs> he was a two-minute and 30, uh, two minute, uh, two-hour and 35-minute marathoner. Right? I finished in four hours and 30 minutes. <laughs> But I remember something Chris told me on that phone call. He said, Todd, you're going to complete the race. And when you do, the reward of crossing that finish line will be something you can't even imagine. It is going to be, and he used this word, exaltation. And here we see... uh, the author of Hebrews, describing that we're to follow Jesus, uh, the one who went to the cross. You know, he, he scorned the shame. He scorned the scorn to be obedient. And for you and, and for me. And he sits at the right hand of God the Father and he makes constant intercession for us. We're called to fix our eyes on him. Finally, The fifth thing in verse 3 of chapter 12 is determination. The author writes, Consider him who endured such opposition from sinful men so that you will not grow weary and lose heart. Our focus is on Jesus. Jesus helps us when we are emotionally and spiritually weary. He helps us when we're facing persecution. He helps us when we encounter adversity. When we're tempted to give up. The thing that the author of Hebrews is saying to his audience and he's saying to us, his audience, in the 21st century is that our race is not finished. But when it is, the rewards will be unimaginable. Unimaginable. Five things that we learn from these Powerful three verses. Running the race of faith requires one, inspiration. Two, 
preparation. Three, perspiration. Four, imitation. And five, determination. Hooray for Grandma. In a moment, I'm going to close with a a video. It's of a father and son team, uh, the Hoyt team, Team Hoyt. You may be familiar with them. Uh, Dick is the dad. Rick is the son. And together they've completed many, many marathons. But one in particular you're going to see here is a Hawaiian Ironman uh, triathlon. And the image that we're going to see is of a father helping his son to the finish line. And as I close today, I want to share a story before we see the video. When my mother died when I was 20 years old, and I had no other family, and I, I'd come home from... from burying her. I walked in the empty house... And I went into her room and opened her closet. I just wanted, maybe if I could smell the clothes, if I could just feel close to her. I remember opening her drawer. And in her drawer, I found a Bible that I had never seen before. It was my grandmother's Bible. I opened it up. And right inside the first page written on the inside of that Bible were these words. I want to share them with you. With God's strength behind you, His love within you, and His arms underneath you, you are more than sufficient. We are more than sufficient for the days ahead of us. Amen.